Hello, my name is Amber and I am a healer and a teacher based in London. And this podcast today is focused on the subject of distance healing. So those of you who have found my podcast, say, through the website, will be aware that there's quite a lot of distance healing work that I offer on the website, which is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. And the question that I often get asked is, why distance healing and does distance healing work? And it seems to bring up quite a few questions, so uh, I felt that the best way forward would be to answer those questions in today's podcast. So distance healing then, um, or remote healing as it's sometimes called, is a way of sending healing um, which isn't dependent on being in the room in the same space at the same time, um, or even necessarily being in the same country. It's uh, predominantly used for energy healing, like Reiki, um, but it can also be done um, for other healing modalities, like shamanic healing. Of course, there's some healing modalities that we just never work with, like, uh, for example, acupuncture or acupressure or things that require bodily contact. But for those healing modalities that are working energetically, then time and space really isn't an issue. So the way I understand distance healing is that everything is energy. And um, especially in shamanism, there is the belief that everything is energy and everything is spirit. So if everything is energy and everything is spirit, then it has a physical self and it also has an energetic self just like we do. So we as human beings have our physical bodies and our physical bodies are rooted to where we are physically in time and space. So wherever you are right now, that's where your physical body is. However, your energetic body could be anywhere. That means your dreaming body, your emotional body, your mental body, your etheric body, the parts of yourself that daydream, the parts of yourself that think about other things and suddenly find yourself reliving memories, the parts of yourselves that are visioning into the future, um, the parts of yourselves that perhaps are trapped in some way in experiences that have happened to you that might have been intense in some way. So really, even though your physical body is sat on a chair or a sofa or whatever listening to this podcast, the other aspects of yourself are everywhere. Um, Some of that is really positive, That means that we're accessing uh, information and healing and knowledge from different dimensions, um, that we are visioning for the future, that we are perhaps processing the past. And some of that can sometimes be unhealthy because it means we can be locked in our thoughts or we can be locked in trauma that happened to us a while back. So distance healing, therefore, can work and does work because we are not rooted to having to be in a particular place to experience healing. We can experience it energetically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and we can experience it through our different bodies. In shamanism, the shaman is the person who goes, who enters this, the spirit world, the dream world, um, to better access information for healing um, or knowledge for one's community. So the shaman is actually walking in between worlds, the upper world, the lower world, and the middle world. Now, the upper world is traditionally the world of... Um, God, spirit, the universe, you know, the elevated beings, the the light, if you like. And then the lower world is the place of the ancestors, the place of darkness, but that's not necessarily in a negative connotation. And the middle world is the world that we reside in, where we walk with um, with spirit, we walk with the unseen as well as the seen. So the shaman is accessing all those worlds during a healing. 
And whether you are in the room or not is actually irrelevant because the healing is taking place on an energetic level. So for any of you that have experienced a shamanic healing, you will know, I mean, of course, it depends on the healer, but you will know that predominantly what happens is you lie down, you close your eyes, and then the healer will start to drum or they will um, sing um, and they will enter into an altered state of reality. And in that altered state of reality, they are traveling through these worlds. So they're working energetically. They're not actually traveling to the lower world because in the, in our sort of in our physical environment, there's no such place called the lower world. They're not actually digging a hole in the ground and and traveling into the center of the earth. And similarly, they're not actually you know climbing out the window and climbing a ladder and getting as high up as they can into the cloud so they can access the upper world it's all happening energetically now if we can if we can accept that when we're in a room with a shaman then it's the next stage in our evolution to be able to accept that that is possible whether we are in the room with the healer or not so in shamanic healing being in the room with the healer is an added bonus and the reason why it's an added bonus is because it's really lovely to lie in the room and to hear singing and to feel that we're being looked after and to hear the sounds of the drum and to have physical contact and to actually have our story and our pain and our joy witnessed. And that is a very important part of shamanic work and it's very much part of the healing. But it's not always possible for that to happen. Perhaps the shaman, the, the practitioner that you are drawn to doesn't work in your town or your city or you're unable to travel to them or maybe you're too sick to travel. Um, and so distance healing is still a way to get the healing um, without necessarily having to be in the same space as them. All the extraction work, which is energetic clearing, the soul retrieval work, which is bringing back aspects of yourself and the power retrieval work all happens energetically anyway. In Reiki and energy healing, well, Reiki is working with energy anyway. So what the practitioner is doing is channeling that energy into their bodies um, by opening themselves up to universal life force energy. And then that travels out through the practitioner's hands and onto the recipient's body. So in distance healing, that's still happening. The practitioner is still opening themselves up and channeling that energy out. But now what they're doing is they're imagining that it's going straight to you and it's reaching you physically, emotionally, spiritually, energetically, etherically. It's encompassing you fully in the totality of its healing. How I understand, therefore, distance healing is that if everything is energy and everything is spirit, then we are able to connect with anything at any time. This is why we can be sat in the office answering an email, but we can also be deeply connected to the people that we love um, and they will feel that, or we can be deeply connected to a place we've just visited, and we will feel that. You know, people often say, go to your happy place. Um, and uh, Or in meditations, guided meditations, people visit a place that means something to them, whether it's a bit of land or a country that they visited, and they will really feel as if they're, they're gathering up the strength of that land and, and, and all the energy of that in their bodies. And similarly, when we think about those that we love, they will often feel that. They will often feel our love. They will feel that someone was thinking about them. So often in our everyday language, we will say, oh, I was just thinking about you, and then you rang, or I was just thinking about so-and-so, and the phone rang, or the doorbell rang, or you know, whatever it is. And so I think we have enough experiences of synchronicity to understand that we are more than just physical beings, and that our thoughts have very powerful, potent impact um, on others and ourselves for those of you that have done the block clearing work with me or are interested in it or have listened to the block clearing um, podcast uh, you will 
also have heard me talk about the power of our, of our of our thoughts and how having loving thoughts about a person can enrich them and keep them healthy and how having hateful negative thoughts about a person can make them very sick and again in shamanism this is something that is very potent that our thoughts have real power um, and real magic behind them as do our words so that for me is distance healing it's the sending of an intention we can intend to send love to someone and they will feel it or we can intend to send pain to someone and they will feel it and in a distance healing the intention is that you receive the healing that you need at this time now whether it's shamanic work and the shaman however they work um, is is accessing those dream states for you or it's a Reiki healing and the Reiki practitioner is sending that healing for you um, the intention is still the same that that this healing energy this positive energy is to reach you completely and fully and give you the healing that you need at this time so I think distance healing requires from us as I've said a leap of faith in our evolution you know, we're in 2016 now, and I think there are enough things that we have discovered um, through our years, but also through what's happening in the world, that show us that our world is more than just the physical. It's more than just what we see. And if we get bogged down by the idea that we can only receive healing when we knock on a practitioner's door and sit opposite them, then we are, in a sense, hobbling ourselves from achieving freedom. The freedom of distance healing is that you can receive it at any time, in any place, from any practitioner that you wish to work with. And therefore, you can go to whoever you are most drawn to. Personally, I have found that to be incredibly liberating. And a lot of practitioners that I work with for my own healing journey are not based in the UK and they're not based in London. They're often in America or other parts of the world. And so we're working on Skype or just distance healing and the transformations that I've experienced, um, the the healing journeys that I've gone on with them has been really profound. And I've come to realize, I mean, I'd always known this because as a Reiki student and then a practitioner, you learn to do distance healings. But to experience it has really taught me that it is irrelevant whether this person is in the room with you or not. It's comforting to us to sit opposite someone, to look into their eyes and to 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 feel their energy. But I think the danger with that, and I think this is about the next stage in our evolution as well as empowered beings, the danger with that is that we we tend to put our healers on a pedestal, a kind of gurudom. And yes, there are parts of the world where gurus are still revered. I'm not one for gurudom because I feel we are all that guru that we are seeking. So the danger with just getting locked down into having to have an in-person healing, which I can I often hear from people, is that we're saying that somehow the healing is not going to happen until we visit a person and sit opposite them, because for some reason they are so magical that by being in their very presence, our lives are going to transform. But actually, the role of the healer is to show you that you are so magical that just by being in the presence of yourself, your life will transform. And so the real purpose of a healing is for the healer to uncover that majesty in you and then reflect it back at you, show it to you, hand it back to you, in a sense. 
And the danger that we have with feeling that we're not complete until we see a healer in the physical world is that we're saying our healing is dependent on another being. And it's not because your healer is always the guide. And therefore, if they are your guide, they can be your guide in the dream world as well as in the physical world, i.e. they can be your guide whether they are thousands of miles across the world or whether they're sat opposite you in a room. So I think there's actually something really potent about distance healing for the times and the age that we are in. I think it demands a leap of faith and a leap of consciousness from us. And I think it demands a sense of empowerment for us. The reason I love it as a practitioner and a recipient, well, the reasons are manifold. I suppose as a recipient, so these are the benefits to receiving distance healing. You don't have to leave your house. Or if you have an appointment or something that may clash because you have had to travel at the last minute or, or something like that, it really doesn't make a difference. So you're not tied to train timetables and traffic delays and you're not having to go through the, um, the rigmarole of traveling halfway across town to see someone. You are in the comfort of your home and this means that you are better able to relax you are better able to let go. Hopefully you should feel the most safe that you can feel in a space because you're in your own home. It also means that once the healing is over, you can you retreat straight back into your home. So you, you can have an early night, you can have a, a cup of tea, you can have your meal, whatever you need to do. You then don't have to get in the car and and fight your way through traffic or get on the train or, you know, most of our the, the positive stuff of our healing is lost because then we have to travel to get back home. And those are massive positives. It also means that the healing can carry on for longer than it probably would if you were in a treatment room with someone. Because the healing is working energetically, it can carry on indefinitely. We don't have to suddenly stop it because you now have a journey to make and the practitioner now has another client to see um, or they'll be charged extra for their room if they don't finish up on time. And these are the practicalities of seeing practitioners in clinics. And I think that's something to be aware of as well. And I'm going to mention that in a bit more detail um, shortly. Uh, so it also means that you have a greater sense of empowerment. If you are receiving a distance healing, there's no one you can defer your power to. You have to be with what comes up or yourself. That means there isn't someone there to hold your hand and give you a tissue and say, there, there, that must have been terrible for you, which sometimes is really important to receive and other times can become debilitating because we become dependent on that. There isn't anyone there to uh, necessarily um, take your pain away, as we can often look to healers to do. You are there going through the process by yourself and yet the space is held for you energetically. The beauty in that is how incredibly empowering that is for an individual and an individual's healing journey. And this is why I feel it's the next stage in our evolution as conscious beings in 2016. Because what we don't want to be is the kind of beings that every time something happens in our life, we go running to a healer, they fix us, and then we go back into our lives, and we don't carry any of that good stuff into our lives. We want to be empowered enough to know that we can call on those healing energies whenever we need them for ourselves also, which we all can, and sometimes it's a question of training. So I think as a recipient, there are a lot of positives that mean that the healing can go a lot deeper, you can be a lot more relaxed, um, and it's a lot more empowering for you. For a practitioner then, I think there is a simplicity to the work. 
that means that it does work a lot more potently. So personally, as a practitioner, I absolutely adore distance healings because it means I'm not having to fight through traffic and train delays to then go to a treatment room, which I then have to set up, uh, well, cleanse firstly from the last practitioner who's been in there, set it up quickly before my client arrives, make sure that we finish on time before we get turfed out by the management or the receptionist or whoever else is there or the next practitioner who wants to leave the room. So shorter sessions uh, and then travel back uh, across rush hour or on tube trains and so on. It can be incredibly exhausting just on a human level. So it means a lot of one's energy is actually going in the practicalities of setting up the space as opposed to doing the healing work. So a lot of my energy will go into traveling, setting up the space and then traveling back rather than actually focusing on the healing. So I find that when I'm doing distance healing work, that it's a lot more focused and a lot more empowered. And the work can go on for longer. I will sometimes set up altars for people um, in my home, healing altars, or sometimes just continue the healing for hours, um, especially if we're doing evening appointments and I know that they then have a chance to just relax for the rest of the evening or go to bed and have an early night. So they're actually getting a much longer healing than if we were in a room and we were bound by um, the requirements of the building that we're in. So I think that's something to bear in mind also is that I think people have this idea that they go and see a practitioner and their practitioner is someone that's permanently sat in a clinic as if they're sat on a mountaintop ready to serve in the in the best, um, most zen-like state ever. And the practicalities of being a practitioner, just like the practicalities of anything, are far less glamorous than we, than we sometimes understand. Your practitioner will have had to fight their way through traffic, maybe working without a lunch break, may have other practitioners who want to use that room who are knocking on the door saying, have you finished up yet? Maybe in a room that doesn't really suit their needs because energetically it's not very clean or it's not very um, aligned. Um, it, it may be too cold, it may be too hot. You know, there's a million and one reasons why your practitioner is battling so many other things, which really they shouldn't be battling because they should be focused on your healing. But that's the practicality, that's the kind of physical world side of doing healing work. But I think it's something to bear in mind. I quite like the idea that when I have a Skype session with a practitioner, they're in their home, they've turned on their computer, they're relaxed, they've got a cup of tea next to them, and they're ready to do the work with me. It feels a lot less false, it feels a lot less forced, and it feels a lot more open, heart open. So I offer distance healing sessions for Reiki and shamanic work. Um, in the shamanic work, all the, all the clearing work, um, and this is a clearing of entities, possessing spirits, curses, um, any gunk that we've picked up, all of that is done energetically and that's done in, in, in the journey state as I'm journeying for someone. And then similarly the soul retrieval work is done in the journey state as well. And clients will often be given rituals to do afterwards as you would if there was an in-person healing to then honour the healing that's happened and really bed it all down. And for the Reiki healing, similarly, I'm just sending healing at, at a distance for as long as it needs to flow. And it goes to where it's needed the most of the time. I find that distance healing is most effective for those who live very busy lives. And they don't have the time to make a clinic appointment at nine in the morning. Or, you know, they don't, they don't have a lunch hour that they can pop out in. They're working long hours and so they... 
they sometimes find that doing a a late evening appointment or having a very early appointment um, can work. I've done distance healing, shamanic healings for people at six in the morning, five in the morning when they've been in the dream state. And so the healing has happened when they're at their most relaxed and they're most open to the healing as well. But of course, that just wouldn't be possible in the physical world that you would say to someone, well, before you go to work, you know, let's meet at five o'clock for your shamanic healing in town. So it, it really does allow a lot more freedom. It's obviously, it's great for those who are housebound for whatever reason, if you're ill or um, you have some form of disability that means that you can't leave the house very easily or you might have um, responsibilities that mean that you are housebound. It's great for mums and dads who are looking after kids because someone can look after the kids for an hour and you can you can have your healing session but you know that you're around if something happens or your kids need you, they're in the background, you haven't abandoned them, so all that's really important and I find really useful. And of course it's great because... Healing work can then happen with people all over the world, and I have many clients from all over the world, um, and it's it's great because there is no um, there is no barrier to that, and time isn't really a barrier either because we can find time scales that that work for us. So, distance healing for me is uh, about taking the work to the next level. I'm offering more and more distance work um, for practical reasons because I found that it means. Um, I have more energy to offer. Um, I have more of myself to offer in a session because I'm my time, my energy is not being taken up by traveling to a room, setting it up, clearing the space. And trust me, there's a lot of space clearing that needs to happen in treatment rooms. If you imagine how many practitioners have been in a treatment room, how many people have sat in that room, cried, got angry, released, and then your practitioner comes in and you're going to come into that space. And do you want to walk into a space that, that is chocker of other people's energies or do you want to walk into a space that fe- feels clear and 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 energised for you? That doesn't happen easily. When I was doing in-person shamanic healings, I would spend at least 40 minutes clearing and opening the space before my client would arrive. Then we would do a healing for two hours then I would need to clear the space for the next practitioner and close down the space. So in total, I was spending close to three, three and a half hours just in the space. That did not include my travel time, which used to take me an hour to travel to the clinic and an hour to travel home. So sometimes one healing would take me about five hours of my time, sometimes more. That's one healing. Um, That's a lot of my energy expended on setting up a space and traveling across London. Whereas now I can do three healings in that time and have all the energy to do that. Um, So in a way, it's very energy efficient for me. um, And therefore, it's very focused for those that I work with. Um, I hope that answers some questions around distance healing, why it works, why I do it, um, and how I feel that it really is the next stage in our evolution Uh, hopefully we're coming into a time where we're going to need healers less and less because we're going to be better in in charge of our own healing and we're going to know how to draw in that healing the most when we need it the most. Um, Any healer's role is to give you those tools and whether they give you those tools in person or via a Skype call is irrelevant as long as you have those tools and you feel empowered. There are some... um, reservations to distance healings and I think there are things to be mindful of so if you're not great holding the space for yourself um, if you tend to get overwhelmed perhaps um, if you need hand holding 
you know, if you need someone sitting opposite you, looking you in the eye and giving you that eye contact, then a distance healing probably isn't great for you. If you've never had a healing before and you are coming to the table, so to speak, with some really deep-seated issues such as abuse or trauma, I really wouldn't have your first healing be a distance healing. I would have someone hold that space for you um, because you'll need it. But if you've had experience of healing before or some form of healing before and some form of distance healing before, then you're in a good place to receive distance healing. I mean, ultimately, even if you are coming to the table with deep trauma and you have that healing session with a practitioner, you know, they're only really holding that space for you for 50 minutes or an hour. After that, it is still for you to hold the space for yourself. So I think, of course, as with all of this and with anything to do with one's healing, you have to trust your intuition. If it feels right, go for it. If it doesn't, then, you know, find uh, something that suits you. I have a feeling that what we tend to do in our sort of drive-in, supermarket, takeaway culture is we look for things that are most convenient rather the thing rather than the things that feel the most truthful. So my advice, kind of my parting advice would be, you know, don't look for a healer that is down the road because it means that, you know, it's going to take you five minutes to get there or five minutes to get home. And that's the only reason you're choosing them. But don't choose a healer who's based in the most prestigious postcode because you feel that makes them better somehow. Just trust your instinct. Go on their website, have a look at if they have a photo of themselves, you know, have a look at the photo, really feel their words, what's, what's you know, blogs, if they have them, or how they've, what they've written on the website. Um, you know, really get a feel for whether you want to work with this person and entrust your soul to them. And if it feels right, don't let distance be something that stands in the way. Don't get caught up in, oh, but I want to see you at nine o'clock, I can't see you at six o'clock, or oh, why don't you do sessions that are this long or why is it cost this much when I can pay that much down the road? Don't get caught up in that. If your heart feels this is the right person for you, follow your heart and, and stop trying to look for excuses to not follow your heart. Um, you know, sometimes the thing that is the most convenient is not necessarily the thing that is most for us. That doesn't mean that we have to, everything has to be a battle, but it's just follow your truth if the only reason you went to healer is because they're five minutes down the road and they're, you know, 10 quid, then, well, that's kind of what you're going to get back. You know, if you go to a healer because you really feel like there's a resonance and this person's going to help you, the power of that intention is going to give you so much back in in the healing journey because it's a co-creation. So do remember that. Um, and do remember that your healer is a human being. And so you are bound by what is going to work for that particular human being. So there are some practitioners that will only work certain days of the week or certain hours or from certain locations. There's no point trying to argue that or fight that or change that. Your healer is a human being who is doing the work in the best way for them. If you resonate with them, your job, your your role in that dynamic is to is to fall in with their way of doing things um, because the healing is going to give you what you need. And if you really can't fall in with their way of doing things, then they are not the practitioner for you. But please don't try and change them because that's not the role of healing. You're not there to try and change your practitioner. 
that's a whole other podcast. But you're you're there to to evolve yourself. Um, but yes, there there is something that tends to happen sometimes um, with with those of us that have been on a journey for a while is that we come and see a practitioner and we feel I wouldn't have done it that way. Why are you doing it that way? Why did you, why did you answer my email like that? Why are you in these treatment rooms? That's the most self defeatist thing we can ever do. If there is anything that you do not like about the practitioner that you are seeing, and it's going to get in the way of you receiving the healing that you need to receive, find a practitioner where those issues are not an issue. Don't try and change the practitioner. That's really not going to work. Um, so have a leap of faith with distance healing. Give it a go. See what the experience is like for you. And then make your own mind up. The first time I did a distance healing case study, I had absolutely no belief that it would work. My Reiki master said I had a number of case studies to do and one of them would be in distance healing. So I did this distance healing. I didn't think it would work. Um, I sent the healing. I felt all these things in my body. I felt all these emotions and these sensations. I saw stuff, um, images, scenarios playing out. Finished off the healing and as a matter of courtesy, I emailed um, the person I was sending healing to just to check that they were okay. And they ended up, I think they rang me and left a very long message on my phone just telling me everything they'd experienced. And it turned out that everything I'd been feeling, they had been feeling during the healing. So that made me, um, that, that converted me to distance healing really as a practitioner. And several months after that, I received a distance healing before I attuned to Reiki Master. And it was the most profound experience of my life. It was a healing that profoundly changed my life and called me to angelic Reiki and called me to this path. Um, I wasn't expecting anything. I got into bed and thought, well, I'll give this a go, you know. Um, and it was the most incredible experience. The healing that I experienced was profound. Um, and that made me a convert to receiving distance healing. So as with all things, we can only really decide through experience. Um, it's not an intellectual thing. It's something that we have to experience. Because healing is love, and we certainly can't make decisions of love in our minds, we have to feel it. It's a doing word. Um, so yeah, take a leap and see where it takes you. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.